0: Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. My name's Steven. I hope you have been encouraged since you got here today. You may be coming across the parking lot. Somebody said hello, or maybe walking in the front door. And if they did, let me know because I well, know I'm just kidding. Um, but just glad that you're here. Thanks for being here. And we are in this new series called "A New Way to Be Human." A new way to be human. And I think um, what we wouldn't be able to unpack over the course of this series is this idea of the Holy Spirit and who is the Holy Spirit and what does that even mean. And so kind of to get into this conversation today, I just want to ask a question. Like, how's, how's your life going? Like, if you could just literally answer that question in your mind, like, how's your life going? Like, don't just think about it and wait for me to say what's next. Just think about like, what's going on in your life right now? Like for some people, you'd say your life is good, Right? Like college football started, so you get to go shopping all day on Saturday, right? Man, the weather's turning to the fall. Man, you, you, maybe you took a nice vacation. You know, maybe, maybe life's good for you. Maybe life's going good. Maybe, maybe if I were to ask you the question, how's your life going, you'd say fine. It's just fine. You know what fine means? It means it's really bad and I'm just waiting for somebody to ask me about it, if you would. Right, it's just it's just fine. It's just okay. It's just there's some things I'd really like to complain about, you know. And I think when we whenever we answer this question about how's life going, we look at what's on the outside, don't we? I mean, we look at our circumstances. I mean, we look at what's happening. Um, We look at how happy we are. But let me ask it a little different way today. How's your life going on the inside? Like, when you begin to think about your soul and what's, what's happening on the, in the depths of your heart, like, what's happening on the inside? How's your life on the inside? Like, if I were to come over to your house and maybe a, a day after work and just to hang out for a, little, for a little while, and we begin to talk about the things you thought about when you woke up and the worries that you had and the, the tasks you need to get completed and what was keeping you up at night, like, what, what would that say about what's going on in the inside? If I were to come over at the end of the day and just kind of watch how you operated and maybe you're just sitting on the couch in an Amazon Prime paralysis because you're just binge watching a little bit just to get some medication. Like, how would that say about what's going on on the inside? How satisfied are you with the conversations that you're having at home and at work and in your neighborhood? Like, How prepared do you feel for, for what's coming ahead of you that you may not see? How prepared are you for a difficulty or a tragedy or a problem? How confident are you that you have the tools necessary to handle that? Man, how excited are you about your future as you think about what's in store for you, what's long term in your life? Man, how much hope is filling your soul today? Like what level of joy are you operating in based on your circumstances? This just offering you this complete satisfaction that carries the day. Like how are you on the inside where it really, really matters? You know, Jesus knew we'd need a little help with that, didn't he? Jesus knew we'd need a little help. And so Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that we'd be distracted by all the cares of this world, by the shallow things in life that don't really matter. He knew that we'd face some competing, competing voices that would want to tell us what's important. And so he provided us what's known as the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Holy Spirit? So a handful. So, so check this out. The Holy Spirit. Barna did a, a survey and sixty percent, 60% of people who go to church actually don't believe there's a Holy Spirit. You see, the problem in our lives is we have a wrong view of who God is. And that's the problem in our churches, too. And some of you grew up maybe in a liturgical environment. So when you hear holy, and your experience of church is a little more buttoned up. Let's just be nice and say it that way. A little more buttoned up, a little more straight-laced. And you you know know about the Bible because you read it and you know about singing and you sing it. But the Holy Spirit, like, we just leave him out sleeping in the van with Cousin Eddie because he can just make things go wild. Now, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you got the charismaniacs, I mean the charismatics. Um, and see, just because you laughed, you know. If you know, you know, right? And there's just this overwhelming, hey, let's just let the Spirit decide. We're not even going to plan. Um, and so there's, there's some extremes when it comes to that. But, but there is, God has given us a helper, and His name is the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about Him over the course of the series. But today, today, I just want to introduce you. I just want to introduce you to the guide that God has given us. Amen. So grab our Bibles. We're going to be in John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Now John was uh, a follower of Jesus. He was an eyewitness to the accounts, the life of Jesus. John was known, his nickname was the disciple that Jesus loved. Like, can you imagine having to hang out with that guy? Like, in your Peter, you're like, why does he have to be the one that Jesus loved? I mean, he's got bad breath, Jesus. Like, what's the deal with that? Like, but he gets this nickname. He's the one who Jesus loved, So he has a unique perspective on the life of Jesus. He, you know, reads it and tells it to us through his filter. And as we get to this particular part of the story and the life of Jesus, what you got to know is Jesus is just hours away from his execution. Okay, They have lived with him for three years. They have spent time with him. They've counted on him. They've depended on him. Their hope was in him, and now he's about to be gone. And it's going to feel like a disaster for them. They're going to feel alone and without help and without guidance. They're not going to understand how to make decisions. They feel like they're not going to be able to go forward and do the things that God had called them to do. So he wants to tell them and let them know that he's got them. He's going to take care of them. So in verse 7 is where we're going to start reading today. It says, nevertheless, again, Jesus just told him that he's going to be leaving. So he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. In other words, it's to your profit. It is actually better for you that I'm not here physically. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, helper is the word for the Holy Spirit. That's how he's referred to here. There's a lot of other uh, ways that he's referred to in the Bible. You have uh, the Spirit of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of truth. There's different ways that he's described. But here, Jesus is is calling him out as the helper. He says, The helper would not come for you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. You see, what Jesus is pointing out and what he wants them to remember and what he's reminding them of is that we live in a world at war. Amen? We live in a world at war. How else do you explain? How else do you explain when s- some terrorists fly an airplane into a skyscraper and kill thousands of people? Like a date today that we... we memorialized, that's marked all of us. How else do you explain that? How else do you explain a pandemic that kills millions of people and throws our world into turmoil? How else do we explain the evil in the world other than there is? we live in a world at war? And we have to remember that. Now, I realize it may sound like we're sensationalizing what's happening, or maybe it's just a fantasy of what's going on. But, but even if you don't have a framework to believe that there is Satan who is involved in the evil, you have, to, you have to believe it comes from somewhere. And what Jesus wanted to remind them of when he uses this word judgment is that we live in a world at war. And if we live in a world at war, we need help. We need help. It says, so it's conviction, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now he's talking about Satan right there when he says the ruler of this world. Verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So you have this word guide. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine. And declare it to you. And I'm going to unpack what that means in just a second. So the first thing we see right here is that, man, the Holy Spirit's our guide. Like, this is the guide that God has given us to get through life. The Holy Spirit is, he he is our guide. Now, I love this, I love this phrase that he uses, helper. Now, the word for helper literally means a friend who takes action in a time of need. A friend who takes action in a time of need. You got friends like that? Like when you need something, they'll take some action for you man when you run uh, into a health problem they'll show up with food at your doorstep and pray over you and take care of your plants and feed your dog they'll they'll take care of things a friend who will help in a time of need a friend who shows up to be there and so Jesus promises this, this helper who's coming to help us now now if Jesus the king of the world the king of the universe our savior our, our redeemer the one who conquered death says that he's sending a helper what does that imply we need help hello like, like we need help. Now I don't know about you, but I don't like to admit I need help. I, I like to think I can do it. As my kids used to say when they were little, "Me do it, me do it," and we say it for the rest of our lives. You know, guys, we're notorious. We don't need help. That's why we never ask for directions. And that is why we think ways is God's greatest gift to humanity, because we don't have to anymore. And we just have to trust it. But even then, it's like, I don't believe ways. I think I'm going to go this way. And then four hours later, you make it there. You know what I'm talking about. Like, we don't, we don't like to help, ask for help. We don't like to point out weaknesses that we have. We don't want to point out where the facade is cracking. Man, we, we don't want to point out the problems we may be having, the questions we may be dealing with, the insecurities that may be bubbling up in our life. We don't want to talk about those. We don't want to act like we need help. But Jesus says we need help. And so he has sent help and it is a guide that we call the Holy Spirit, and we need help every single day. It reminds me a little bit of a Sherpa. You guys know what a Sherpa is? Good, I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, so a Sherpa is, is, is a, a guide who goes along on a mountain climbing expedition to help out. I think I have a picture of a Sherpa right here. That's, that's me dressed as a Sherpa. Uh, now I'm joking. Uh, but that's a Sherpa, right? And so a Sherpa does, they carry some things, that help guide you. Now, several years ago, I had the opportunity to go and hike in the Machu Picchu. And when you hike to Machu Picchu, they give you a Sherpa to go along with you. The Sherpa helps carry some of your equipment. They kind of point the way forward. But the reality is, at, at Machu Picchu, um, the, the trail is pretty well marked. And you're not like rock climbing or ice climbing. You're just following the trail so they're really just helping you carry your junk is basically what they're doing. Now they do some other nice things like they give you that coca tea every morning so you don't altitude sickness and I think it does something else too if I'm just being honest but you know they do some other things but they're really just helping. Now contrast that with a Sherpa who would help you climb Mount Everest. Now a Sherpa who would help you climb Mount Everest first of all their body handles oxygen differently it's able to process oxygen differently one reason is because they grew up in that area, in Nepal or in that region where Mount Everest is. But also, they've done it multiple times. So that when you get in a situation and you need oxygen, they can bring you oxygen. Because they're, they're just, they just operate differently. They go ahead of you and they lay out the trail. They be, they're sure that the ropes are tied together to help you to be able to climb. They get rid of trash and debris along the way so that you can have a clear path to get to the summit. Of Everest. And life is way more dangerous than climbing Mount Everest. And we need a helper. We need someone who provides for us, someone who can do the things that we can't do. And can't do. we need someone to go ahead of us, to show us the stop signs. We need someone to hover over us, to give us protection. We need someone behind us, beside us, to guide us down the path. And this is, this is what the Holy Spirit does for us, man. The Holy Spirit, He is our guide. Now, the way I like to describe him, because you can't define a person, but to describe it is he is God's active and personal presence in our lives. God's active and personal presence in our lives. So just think about that word active for a minute. Now, we like to treat God as, you know, not paying attention maybe or not active because we like to do it ourselves, but he's active. You know, one of my sons is in town and he has a 14-month-old. She is the picture of active, if you know what I'm saying. Like this morning, I get up, I'm the first one up, and I come down the stairs, and she's hanging on the ceiling fan, just going round and round and round and round. She's just acting. I'm just kidding. Um, Because I think some of you believe me. Um, Just active, just full of energy, always up to something, never still. This is God's spirit in our hearts. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes He, he is a little still, but he's never silent. God is always active. He's personal. See, God understands where you've been. The Holy Spirit knows what you've gone through. The Holy Spirit understands your pain and problems. He understands your strengths and your story. This is the power, and He just wants to be present in our lives to help guide us. Jesus uses this word convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment, is what He says in this particular part of the Bible. Let me talk a little bit about conviction. You know, conviction is just when God will point out something in your life like really specific. You know, there are times when we may feel this over overriding sense of guilt for something and we can't even understand we don't we can't even pinpoint it that's not God that's Satan Satan would love for you to feel guilt this overriding sense of guilt that you can't quite articulate what it is but it just kind of holds you back like conviction is very specific so so he says first of all convicting of sin because the world doesn't believe in me so the Holy Spirit's job what the Holy Spirit does every single time is just points to Jesus It's like, you got a problem? There's your answer. You need forgiveness? Jesus did that for you. You need some wisdom? He's the word of life. You need some direction? He came to bring clarity. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus, but he's the active presence in our lives. He says he came to convict of sin, but also convict of righteousness. Hey, check this out. And, and, and one word that he uses here is the spirit of truth. Truth has fallen out of vogue these days. I get that. But we still have a standard that we hold around this place. Um, and so when, when he says righteousness, he's like, there's a way the world works. Listen, there is a way the world works. And as much as we combat it and go against it, that's where we suffer the ramifications and the destruction in our lives when we step outside the balance that God has set. So, so for instance, let's just say I decide gravity is not real. Not a thing. And so I just jump right off of here because why? I'm I'm just going to stand right here, right in midair because there's no gravity. What's going to happen? I'm going to hurt myself desperately. That's what's going to happen because gravity is a real thing whether I believe in it or not. There is a way the world works, and the Holy Spirit will point us in that direction if we will pay attention. You see, God is not a formula. Like I would love a formula, wouldn't you? I mean I have one of my degrees is in math for crying out loud. Give me a formula, we'll figure it out. But and and in the Bible we we see some people would estimate about 90% of our lives is right here. That's why it's a lifeline and we should read it every single day. Listen, I don't read my Bible because I'm a pastor. I became a pastor because I read my Bible. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to need to become a pastor, but I'm just saying this is not just for the professionals. And some would say that 90% of our lives and God's will for our lives is right here. But there are some things that aren't there. So let's say, for instance, you're, you have a job offer. You're like, okay, Stephen, what, how do I know what to do? I'm going to say, turn to page 895 in your Bible. George should take the job, <laughs> right? That's not how that works. God has given us the Holy Spirit. His Spirit is inside us to direct us, to guide us, to illuminate His Word in our heart so we'll know what to do. Now, do you always have 100% certainty on what you're supposed to do? Well, I do. No, I don't. And neither do you. That's called faith. It's called trust. And guess what? If you do your best to follow what you think God wants you to do and you get it wrong, what's He going to be? Happy. That's what He's going to be. He's got you. Sin, righteousness. And the last one, He says, convict concerning judgment judgment because the ruler of this world Satan himself has been judged because we live in a world at war listen we all have some guide in life whether it's the news agency or social media or our neighbors or our college our university our career plans we all have some guide in life who is yours like who's your guide if you begin to think about your life And how you make decisions and who you trust and turn to in times of difficulty or confusion. Times when you need clarity. Listen, who who is your guide? God has given us the Holy Spirit as our guide. The the next thing that we see is that our guide is actually God himself. God himself. You know, when Jesus says in, in verse 14, he says that the Holy Spirit will glorify me, Jesus says, for he will take what's mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine, and He will declare it to you. So this is, so let me just unpack what Jesus is trying to say right here. Now, now, how many of you have ever heard of the Trinity? The Trinity, not the character in Matrix, but the Trinity in the Bible, right? So the Trinity is one of these things that uh, is is a word that is used to describe God for in in the Christian worldview. And Trinity obviously has this implication of three. Now, now, here's what this means. We believe in one God. Okay, God is one. The Lord our God, the Lord, he is one. We believe in one God. And sometimes because we believe in the Trinity, there's this accusation or belief that we, don't, that we believe in three gods. Believe in one God. He's one essence. He's one being. He's one nature. But he exists in three persons. Okay, he exists in three persons. So it's a little bit like this. And any analogy is going to fall short. Because he's God. And if we could explain him, guess who he wouldn't be? He wouldn't be God. So I am a human being. It describes the type of being I am, the type of essence I am, the type of nature that I have. But it doesn't describe the kind of person that I am. I'm a person, too. My name is Stephen. And, I, you know, I'm a husband and a dad and a granddad and a pastor. And, like, that's who I am as a person. Well, God, as a person, he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he's God the Father, he's creator, he's ruler, he's reigning over creation. We have God the Son, the one who redeemed us, who came for us, who sacrificed for us, who reconciles us back to God. And we have God the Holy Spirit, God's active personal presence in my life. He's the one who's getting things done. It says that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos in the watery abyss, and created creation out of nothing. This is the Spirit of God, the creating agent in the world. So you have Father, you have Son, you have Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is a person just as much as Jesus is a person, and just as much as the Father is a person. He's not a force like Star Wars, huh, or a magical power like Harry Potter. He's not you know, the source of life like Avatar. He, he is a person, and he has moved all up in our life. And he's right in the middle of our life. You know, God is the most important reality of life. And listen, when, when someone moves into your life or your house, you live differently, don't you? You live differently. Like, How many of you have experienced college children? How many? Like quite a, quite a few. So, so you'll know, and if you don't know, I'm going to tell you. What happens is they go to college, it's a great day. I'm just letting you know. Or they move out, even if they don't go to college, right? They get a job. That's a greater day. Um, they go to college. It's a great day. And listen, you're sad, all that, all that you know, weepy stuff, right? Not me, you. Um, uh, but, they go, but then they come back home for the summer. It's a little weird, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? You guys have done that. I mean, when they come back home, it's like, ooh, they don't, they don't do what I say anymore, and they have their own thoughts about things, and they forgot that I'm paying for this, you know, and so, <laughs> it's uh, it changes when someone moves into your house, even if it's family, it changes some things. So imagine this, King Charles, it's like, hey, Buckingham Palace too big, I think I'm moving to your house. I'm gonna bring my entourage, I'm gonna bring my cooks, I'm gonna bring my butler, I'm gonna bring my chef, I'm like, I'm gonna move into your house. Like imagine how that unearths you changes how you think, changes how you value your time, it changes how you eat. It changes your schedule. It changes how you handle money. Like when God moves into your life, it makes us live differently. We think differently about everything and we think differently about sex. We think differently about marriage. We think differently about dating. We think differently about work. We think differently about parenting. We think Different. Why? Because our guide is God, and God calls us to live differently. Now, when he uses this word truth in verse, uh, yeah, in verse 13, he uses this word truth. He says he will guide us into all truth. He is the spirit of truth. You know, what Jesus is trying to really point out is this, the word holy in Holy Spirit. You see, the word holy means to be set apart it means to be different now i think we've adapted that to at times to say it means weird <laughs> that to be holy means to be weird and, and we've known people that grew up and maybe they grew up and they had a different religious upbringing different religious beliefs and and they dress really differently and they burned all their cds back when cds were burning y'all remember that when that would happen what do you do now with streaming i don't know you can't there's nothing to burn but um they would burn stuff because it was not from god and so there was this really idea of trying to be holy and they took their lives so much it was almost like living a monastic existence like re- completely withdrawing from the world but but we can't we can't swing the pendulum the other way and not be different at all Man, we have to be different God's called us to be different that we have different values we see the world differently and God expects us to be different and the way that we become holy is simply simply through one word it's called obedience it's called obeying God it's called doing the things that God has asked me to do man we just obey God and God's serious about holiness You know, to to have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean to be holiness, does to be holy doesn't mean that we just adopt this new morality, that we're just really good people. We leave a small carbon footprint, (laughs) you know, we drive electric cars and eat vegan. That's not what it means to be different. You know, God has certain things he wants us to do and to be about, that we live differently, and guess what? It actually gives us the greatest happiness. You see, holiness is the condition of our heart in which we find God is our greatest happiness. See, holiness will lead to our happiness. Now, God's way more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. But our ho- holiness will always lead to happiness. And when we don't obey, guess what it does to God? The Bible says that it grieves the Holy Spirit. You ever had anybody grieve you before? Maybe a family member that betrayed you. Maybe an employee that undercut you. Maybe a friend who was disloyal to you. Maybe, maybe a child that was rebellious, and just grieves your heart when that happens. And we can actually do that to God, to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a person. See, the Holy Spirit's active in our life. Man, have you ever had a time where you just felt this prompting? You're like, I just want to, I should just call this person. Maybe a name comes to mind. You're like, huh, I hadn't thought of them in a while. Maybe you, you know you should call them or text them. Guess who that was? The Holy Spirit. You ever been in a situation you just kind of got overwhelmed with emotion? Like maybe you were in worship and you just felt some emotion. And for some of you who are not emotional like, what was that? That was foreign. You know, you're like, some emotion stirred in you. Maybe you saw something on TV or maybe you heard of a need that somebody had and it stirred some emotion in you. The Holy Spirit. You ever had this situation where you want to just help somebody? Like, I need to give to them because they need my help. The Holy Spirit. So he's prompting us, pushing us, guiding us because he is a person. He is in the room. How does your view of God change when we begin to see the Holy Spirit as a person who is with me? How does your view of God change when we recognize that God is actually with me? He wasn't just Emmanuel, God, with us at Christmas. He's the Holy Spirit guiding us every single moment, every decision, every turn, every minute, everything that we do. He's he's engaged in our life. See, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is God himself. And then check this out. Our God, he operates from the inside. He operates from the inside. In 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 16, Paul is writing this. And Paul says, don't you know that your body is the temple, God's temple, for God's spirit who dwells in you? So think about this. God's spirit lives inside you. God's spirit. When you decide to follow Jesus, you become a new human, and God's spirit lives in you. How many of you grew up in a tradition where it was, uh, as a kid, you would ask Jesus into your heart? Anybody? handful. Like if you if you don't understand that, like some of you do, like ask Jesus into your heart. And when we when you tell a kid to do that, like you want to ask Jesus into your heart, you are like, I don't think he'd fit down in there. Like so literal, you know. This is kind of where this idea comes from, that God lives in our heart. Let me just explain the three levels of our lives. So there's the shallows. Okay, it's it's where we spend a lot of time. It's where we get distracted. You know, we'll be driving down the road and listening to the greatest podcast on leadership. It's gonna change your life. And then all of a sudden you think about, I wonder what's for dinner. And then all of a sudden you remember you forgot your mom's birthday. And you get distracted, and man, that is where most of us live. And so like today, that's happened. As a matter of fact, some of you just realized you forgot your mom's birthday today, didn't you? Right, and we live in this level of distraction, and they're everywhere. Man, they're everywhere. And then, but then there's the next level, kind of the mid-level. And that's where what the Bible would call cares and concerns and pressures of this world are. So if the shallows is distraction, then the mid-level is pressure and we feel pressure you know research has shown that even coming out of the pandemic even coming out of where things are quote back to normal they're not back to normal are they you know what's back busy is back that's what's back And that while we thought many things would go away and subside, what's happened is now that travel is back to normal, which most of you, a lot of you travel, and it's back to normal. School's back to normal. Thank God, parents, come on. Um, You know, everything's back to normal. What's happened is the pressure is continuing to build. The pressure has not subsided. We still feel it. We still have the anxiety and the worry and the care and the concern. And Jesus addresses this in the Bible. And Jesus said, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Like the the pagans worry about that. But seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus addresses that. But we spend a lot of time in the mid-level. But then there's that deep level of life. There's that heart level of life. And it's where joy happens. And it's where purpose happens. It's where things of faith happen. It's where we wrestle with what happens in eternity and what's the purpose of our life. Like, this is the deep level of our life, and this is where God resides. Like, our heart, the deep level, is where heaven and earth collide. Now, let me take it a step further. In the Old Testament, before Jesus has died and gone into heaven, they worshiped in the temple. People would show up at the temple to meet with God. And if you can only imagine, like, the spectacle of God being in a building is. There's a a passage over in uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 6. I don't think I have a screen for it. I don't have a screen for it. Let me just read it for us. Um, Isaiah chapter 6. It says this. It says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the angels, and they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. So you see this image that we have of God in the temple, filling the temple with God's glory and God's majesty and that smoke begins billowing out and it sounds like peals of thunder in the temple. Like, Can you imagine the fear and the awe that would happen if you were to walk into that situation and that was happening? What Paul is saying in Corinthians is that all of that has moved right here in our hearts. That we're created in the image of God to house the glory of God. That God wants to do something in our hearts to change how we think, to change what motivates us, to change the actions that we have. And this is where God is living. God is living in our hearts. And too much of our time is spent in the shallow and the middle level of life. Like we spend too much time being distracted and too much time feeling pressure. Because listen, when you get, you get that right, you become a new human. When you get that right, you see the world differently. You see the world differently. And God begins to operate in your heart. Like we have the glory of God actually living inside of us. Every decision. Every moment. Every desire. Every thought. Right here. And we got to figure out how to cultivate that church. Man, how, how, do we, how do we do that? So as we've looked at this person of the Holy Spirit. Man, he moves into your life. And he begins to govern everything about us. For our our good and for our our holiness, which will eventually lead to our happiness. But to get to the inside, you have to let him in. There's a passage in Revelation chapter 3, the very last part of the Bible. And it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And this is Jesus talking about the door of our heart. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door, I'll come in, eat with him. He'll eat with me. He's just knocking. And it kind of looks a little bit like this. You're just going through life distracted and pressured. And God shows up and says, hey, Stephen, let's open that door over there. I'm like, well, what, what, what door? I didn't even know there was a door over there, God. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, that door. Let's just open that door. I'm like, hmm, I don't think I want to open that door. I know what may be behind that door. I think I remember what I put behind that door. I, I don't think we should open that door, God. He says, hey. I love you. Let's go open that door together. As we open that door, what we begin to find are all those things that are distracting and pressuring us. You know what we find behind that door? All the hurt that's happened in our lives that we've tried to ignore and move past that we didn't let the Holy Spirit come in and heal and restore and repair that we just got busy moving because we just had to get on with life and it just continues to hold us back and we think we're over it but we're not because it keeps coming back to mind and that's just God saying let me, let me, let me in that door over there you know what else is behind that door? sin good old fashioned I'm not going to do it your way God kind of sin good old fashioned thumbing our nose at God I know better than you do God that's what's behind that door. You know what else is behind that door? A path that you know you're supposed to take, a step you know you're supposed to take, something you knew you were supposed to do, a relationship you were supposed to reconcile, man, a gift you were supposed to give, a conversation you were supposed to have. It's behind that door. And God steps into this part of our life. How's life going? on the inside for you today you know the way that you open that door is just through a simple prayer just acknowledging that you closed it just acknowledging that God wants to come in that the Holy Spirit is here and active and present to offer healing and guidance and offer instruction and comfort and care like why would you keep living with the stuff that's holding you back and making you live the old way When the new way is promised, that's today. Let's pray together.